Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Rachel Maddow, Al Franken, The Young Turks, and Slate Magazine. The first story on today's Rachel Maddow show front page. Uh, is the biggest political bombshell to break over Washington in quite some time. The hammer has fallen. The exterminator is checking into the Roach Motel. The whip, apparently, is whipped. Tom DeLay stepping down. Not only is he not going to run for re-election this November, he is apparently going to resign in either May or June. We are expecting some uh, official announcement from DeLay sometime this morning. They have released a little bit of a statement from him. We've got a little audio of that that I'll be playing for you in just a moment. In the meantime, here's what we know. Tom DeLay is the guy who, who more than any other single Republican in Congress... Any other single Republican politician anywhere has helped shape Republican politics in Washington. This is the guy who got them holding open uh, votes for hours to squeeze out one last vote. This is the guy who got Republicans redistricting all the states to give their candidates an advantage in congressional elections. This is the guy who led the impeachment of President Clinton. This is the guy who turned the whole lobbying industry in Washington into part of the Republican Party. And yes, this is the guy who apparently had a criminal corruption and bribery operation running out of his office for much of the past decade. That's according to the charges to which a second Tom DeLay staffer just pled guilty on Friday. Those court papers call Tom DeLay representative number two, which is never good in court papers. Also, it's just embarrassing to ever be called number two. Anyway, uh, but Tom DeLay's former press secretary and his former deputy chief of staff have both pled guilty. They're both turning state's evidence. Jack Abramoff, who Tom DeLay called one of my closest and dearest friends, also pled guilty, also turned state's evidence. Tom DeLay himself charged last fall with money laundering and campaign finance violations. His trial starts later this year. He is the corruption and bribery center of the universe. So how does the mainstream media explain that he's finally quitting? He's taking one for the team, they're saying. He's not doing this for himself. No, he just wants to be sure the Republican Party doesn't suffer a loss if he has trouble retaining his House seat this year. Here's Chris Matthews straining the bounds of credibility last night on MSNBC. He is one tough politician. Yes, he is. And for him to say uh, that he's got to throw in the towel in the interest of the party so that they can save this seat. In the interest of the party, just to save his seat. No need to talk about corruption or his urgent need to keep himself out of prison. No, he's just doing what's best for the party. He's an honorable strategist. If you don't buy that line, then how about this one? Mike Allen of Time Magazine says Tom DeLay is resigning so he can spend more time helping orphans. He said that he wants to go out and talk about uh, foster care, the importance of religion <laughs> and government, and electing more Republicans. Pay no attention to people turning state's evidence all around him. Just repeat what Tom DeLay tells you in your exclusive interviews. I'm resigning to help the Republican Party. Or orphans. No, I'm resigning to help orphans. That's it. Wednesday night, Carl Rove said, and I quote, Conservatives saw the savagery of 9-11 in the effects of, in the attacks and prepared for war. Liberals saw the savagery of 9-11 attacks and wanted to prepare indictments and offer therapeutic understanding for our attackers. That's not slander. That's the truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth.
We have Norm Ornstein here, not just in the USA, but at George Washington University, a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, where he studies politics, Congress, and elections. And, and I'd say you're one of the foremost, it's fair to say, right? One of the foremost experts on Congress. Well, if you say it, okay. it's fair to say. And you've written a, a, a new book with uh, Tom Mann, Tom Mann. Uh, yes. from Brookings on Congress, the Broken Branch. So I want to ask you about Tom DeLay because the fact that he's gone now, there's some Republicans going like, well, he's gone. It's yeah. over. And actually, it's, it's more than that. They're saying it was wonderful to have him here. But now that he's gone, we have no responsibility for anything that he did. It has nothing to do with us. And uh, that's all past us now. And it's not past, uh, of course. I mean, at one level, for, for Democrats who hoped to run against Tom DeLay as the personification of evil here, it's a little harder when he's out of Congress. But uh, if you want to talk about the culture of corruption, here's the reality. If Tom DeLay is out or is in, is leader or isn't leader, and he's indicted uh, on charges of bribery and corruption stemming from his relationship with Jack Abramoff and that of his longtime intimate assistants, uh, that's a huge story. Um, and uh, if he's not indicted, even if he were serving in office, it would be a little harder to gain traction. But right now, the fact that he is out of office or leaving soon after the position he held is itself a huge story. It's a huge story, but it, it's, it, isn't it more about, I mean, isn't the story really about what he made this Congress and what this Congress really still is, which is a racket? Uh, it, this is a, uh, uh, I've said before on the show and I've written before that this reminds me of the period called the Gilded Age. Uh, which was a term coined by Mark Twain in a novel written in 1873 about a period of time when uh, the robber barons, uh, huge interests surrounding energy and, uh, and the railroads, came into Washington, poured in very large sums of money, found uh, that uh, they could be patrons to prominent figures in Congress and in government, uh, give them money and get favors, enormous favors uh, worth huge sums in return, uh, could get their own people placed all throughout uh, government, and then have some of the money channeled back into campaigns so that they could keep the same people in power and get a self-perpetuating money and power, uh, greedy corruption-based uh, machine going. And it all eventually collapsed. And we've had something similar to that built around the K Street project. It's also true that uh, Tom DeLay, beyond any question, with the sole exception of Newt Gingrich, has been the most significant uh, figure to serve in Congress in decades, was a dominant figure. Nobody was uh, more responsible for the impeachment of Bill Clinton than Tom DeLay. There's simply no doubt that if DeLay had not been there, you would have seen a consensus developing that censure the president, gotten broad bipartisan support and put it past us. DeLay insisted on taking it to impeachment, 
and pushing it all the way to the map. Delay had as much to do with Bush's policy success in uh, getting that very narrow majority of Republicans to unite together and give them the tax cuts and then get the Medicare prescription drug bill using whatever means were necessary. The watchword is the ends justify the means. Delay was the driving force behind the K Street project. Use your power in government to coerce uh, interest groups, uh, corporations, uh, trade associations, lobbying firms to hire not just any Republican, but the specific ones you want, mainly coming from staff positions where they could uh, suddenly make three, four, five, ten times what they've been making before, and then make sure that they then max out in contributions back uh, so that uh, so get them jobs with special interests, and then have these guys who've gotten these jobs contributing back to the party, maxing out in their contributions to the party, and of course, uh, part of the game is that those special interests then have a kind of access where they can write their own bills and uh, amendments and uh, have enormous influence whether they deserve it or not. So th this is what it has become and what it still is. I mean, this, uh, the, the, the removal of delay doesn't end what this Congress, doesn't no. change what this Congress is. The only thing that will change what this Congress is uh, is um, a scandal big enough that they're forced to change the basic ways of operation and to change the rules to make it harder to do some of these things. Uh, and that'll be a while in coming. There are different personalities, and they don't have quite the hard edge of DeLay. Uh, DeLay was a, a remarkably effective legislator, uh, I have to say. Indefatigable, relentless, incredible attention to detail uh, all over everything, and also had a, a, an understanding of his colleagues on the Republican side and what made them tick and could uh, uh, get them to do things that he wanted them to do. Uh, but what's always characterized Tom DeLay is a guy who looked at the, the rules, the laws, the lines, and said, where are the lines here? And then said, how do I get over those lines, basically? You know, what he himself has said in interviews the last few days is, uh, hey, I always knew where the lines were, and I stayed just inside them. I had all armies of lawyers who told me what was right and what wasn't right. He would look step over the line, figure out how much he could get away with, and it was always the ends justify the means. And, and, okay, now th this, this relationship with Abramoff, what this was was enabling Abramoff to make tons and tons of money based on his relationship with DeLay, and then he would use, Abramoff would use that money to pay off the party. Well, he would use some of that money to pay off the party, and some of it for an unbelievably lavish lifestyle, and some of it he shared with his cronies, which happened not coincidentally to include three uh, key intimate staff assistants to delay. Michael Scanlon, the communications director, who left, uh, became uh, Delay's, Delay's communication director. Uh, Delay's communications director left and became Abramoff's uh, basic comrade in arms, and of course uh, made huge sums of money, you know, a lot of it from Indian gambling tribes. They took in $82 million from the Indian gambling tribes, but many other clients as well. And, <coughs> excuse me, he's now been indicted, of course, uh, copped a plea and is cooperating. A good deal of that money, including money uh, when he was still working for Delay, went to Tony Rudy, 
uh, delays deputy chief of staff. What we know, among other things, is for another of uh, the delay clients, this was not an Indian gambling interest. It was an out, another gambling interest, e-lottery it was called. It did Internet gambling. Right. And this bill came up sponsored by conservative Republicans who, and the fundamentalists who hate gambling to ban Internet gambling. Uh, they wanted to block this. They gave delay. They gave Abramoff a couple of million dollars, and Tony Rudy became his kind of mole inside the delay office, the leader's office, for in return for fifty thousand dollars more for himself and his wife, letting them know everything that was going on and helping them to plot to make sure that they could block this bill. Of course, they hired Ralph Reed, Lewis Sheldon, another great uh, you know leader of the Christian right, to go out there paying them very large sums of money to basically argue. Uh, against voting for a bill that would block internet gambling, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they forged a letter with Jeb Bush. And what was the reasoning? What was the reasoning that they could? Pop? How can Ralph Reed uh, argue against a bill banning internet gambling? Basically, by uh, Alice in Wonderland saying that this is a bill that would encourage gambling, uh, so don't vote for it. You know, uh, saying that up is down and down is up. Then they got uh, a letter that ostensibly was signed by Jeb Bush taking their position, which turned out to have been forged. And, uh, and then, of course, there's Ed Buckham, who has not yet been indicted, who was named in the uh, uh, plea deal that Tony Rudy just uh, signed, which would help to precipitate DeLay's resignation. Ed Buckham, who was the chief of staff to DeLay and his minister uh, uh, on the side. Uh, it's... Uh, it's just uh, remarkable. Uh, went out and created his own lobbying organization called the Alexander Strategy Group that worked hand in glove with uh, Abramoff and uh, employed as a consultant one Christine DeLay, uh, Tom DeLay's wife, mm -hmm. and also created a charitable organization using the term loosely called the U.S. Family Network, mm -hmm. uh, ostensibly to promote conservative values and families that raised over $3 million from, mostly from uh, Abramoff's clients, a million bucks from very shady oil and gas interests in Russia. Uh, and DeLay went over to meet with them and then came back and helped to uh, implement their legislative uh, uh, wish list. Uh, money from the sweatshop operators in Saipan, which you have written about uh, mm -hmm. devastatingly. Money uh, even shook down a half a million dollars from the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee uh, with uh, DeLay's help. Uh, and, and basically, and from the gambling tribes, uh, um, skimmed, Buckham skimmed a million off the top for his own lifestyle. Uh, purposes and uh, for him and his wife uh, and in, in the meantime delay was going with him and these trips arranged to do golfing in Scotland going with him to Russia and then coming back and uh, voting or helping to push through legislation that fit the needs of these tribes now delay says that he had no idea any of this stuff was going on uh, and uh, you can take that uh, for whatever you want to take it in the, the the Saipan thing is this this is this is disgusting. It's disgusting because this is uh, sweatshop and sex shop uh, exploitation. It's it's, it's using uh, Asian women uh, from China and from the Philippines as sex slaves and as labor slaves, and including forcing them to get abortions. And this is a guy who says that he's going to go out now. And uh, after he leaves Congress and campaign on behalf of 
uh, Christianity and, and making sure that there's more religion in politics. Yeah, you know, when I, I've told people that uh, this included forced abortions and that uh, DeLay was carrying that agenda, they say that can't be right. Uh, and, of course, we know from your own reporting, and, and reporting also on Brian Ross's with, reporting, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's right there. You can look it up, uh, as they say. By the way, Abramoff started uh, by uh, uh, creating or running a front organization for the then uh, apartheid South African government to help to promote their interests in the United States. And we know that he uh, attempted, at least, we're not even sure if he did it, to get millions of dollars from Omar Bongo, a uh, vicious dictator in Africa who wanted to get an audience with the president, uh, which he got. And we also know now that he made lavish efforts at a skybox uh, at an athletic event here uh, with some of the delay staffers present to try and get the contract uh, for the government of Sudan, uh, which, of course, is uh, one of the perpetrators of genocide. Uh, so, uh, you know, these guys are really bad people. And yet, DeLay says he's going to go um, around promoting Christianity. You know, I, I, I've got a new, um, a new slogan, which is, uh, as far as the New Testament is concerned, uh, I, I believe in original intent. <laughs> uh, I think Jesus really meant it when he talked about uh, the, the poorest among us. Uh, Norm, thank you so much for reviewing how important this whole delay thing is. Norm Ornstein, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back to Tom Oliver. In an act of blatant political partisanship, a rogue district attorney in Travis County, Texas, named Ronnie Earl, charged me with one count of criminal conspiracy, a reckless charge wholly unsupported by the facts. This is one of the weakest, most baseless indictments in, in American history. It's a sham, and Mr. Earl knows it. This act is the product of a coordinated premeditated campaign of political retribution, the all-too-predictable result of a vengeful investigation led by a partisan fanatic. Uh, Mr. Earl, an unabashed partisan zealot with a well-documented history of launching baseless investigations and indictments against his political enemies, in accordance with the rules of the House Republican Conference, I will temporarily, 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 temporarily step aside as core leader in order to win exoneration from these baseless charges. Now, let me be very, very clear. I have done nothing wrong. I have violated no law. I have violated no law, no regulation, no rule of the House. I have done nothing unlawful, unethical or, I might add, unprecedented, even in the political campaigns of Mr. Earl himself. As for the charges, I have the facts, the law, and the truth on my side. Once exposed to the light of objective scrutiny, every one of their frivolous accusations against me has been dismissed, and so will Mr. Earl's. Now, on with us, here comes Christy! Here comes Christy! <laughs> Should I do it one more time?
Oh, please. There th- comes Christy. I think she might have just, just hung up. Oh, no, Gosh. she's still there. Hi. How are you guys? We're Great. Great. Christy I can't Harvey. believe how much I'm learning tonight. I had no idea that was Foreman. Yeah, there you go. That's what happens when you listen to the Young Turks. You take something See, home. that's the thing. Yeah. All right. Christy Harvey is the Director of Strategic Communications for the Center for American Progress. Uh, Christy, welcome back to the Young Turks. Lovely How to are have you? I would like. Can I set something up as before we get into Christy? Because there's some great Tom Delay quotes we want to talk about. Last time we talked, I, I met uh, when I when I when I met Christy and we were talking in Washington. Uh, the latest I heard from her, she was talking about how she fell asleep on a blind date. Yeah. And I just. <laughs> How, yeah, how, see, that's the kind of stuff I don't talk about on the air. Right. <laughs> but thanks for uh, sure. ruining my rep there. <laughs> hey, it, it's, it doesn't speak badly of you. It speaks badly of him. <laughs> I was tired. He was talking about soccer. What's the girl supposed to do? <laughs> I'm going to be hyped up on five cups of coffee. A guy starts talking about soccer, and I'm dead in my soup. Right. All right. Well, Absolutely. There you have it. All and right. he, he was probably saying something like, you know, Maradona, everybody thinks he scored against Germany with that <laughs> hand of God goal, but it was actually England. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have to help me out, though, because I can't decide how long my my schadenfreude is allowed to last on this delay stuff. I think oh, it's certain. Uh, you got good amount of time there. You got a lot of cushion on that one. Christmas. I started off saying 24 hours because I'm not a gloating kind of gal. Clearly. And I just pushed it to a week. All right. <laughs> well, well, we've, uh, we've already pushed the Tom DeLay uh, farewell extravaganza now into two whole days. So, I mean, we're almost dedicating six hours to Tom DeLay. Okay, so, okay. It, I'm guessing it'll still go to Friday. I think you got to take it into the weekend. you got to enjoy the weekend with it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I've got to have my farewell Tom cocktail. So yeah, sure. I, will, I will push it into the weekend. All right. All right. Now, by the way, an ode to Tom DeLay coming up a little bit later in the show, and obviously we'll take all of your calls on what you think of this great uh, day in America as Tom DeLay steps down. And we'll explain also, of course, why it is such a great day. And a perfect setup to that is uh, the quotes that you guys have compiled at the Center for American Progress, Christy. Uh, it gives you a sense of why everybody's so ecstatic that Tom DeLay is gone, not just because of the corruption, but because he's a loathsome guy otherwise. And it shows, it shows, sorry, Christy, it just shows the value, with even with George Bush, with Dick Cheney, with Tom DeLay, with all these guys, these sort of un-American, blatantly corrupt guys, that there's so many horrible stories that you forget. And it's mm-hmm. great when you remind yourself and put it all together, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, they're, they're, they're this bad. And so... Right, so well, that's the thing is I started thinking this morning about all the different corruptions he's been involved with and thought, you know, I'm probably forgetting a few and started to look. And then I started to find some of these quotes and thought, oh, my God, I had completely forgotten he's that guy. So, Christy, now he came out today and talked about how much time he wants to dedicate to foster children. So yes. um, working off one of his quotes, what do you think um, a planned activity could be for these foster children that he's going to help out? Well, um, I'm not sure, um, but I'm pretty sure that maybe they could go camping in the Astrodome. Definitely, maybe after losing their home and families and, right. and, and See, swimming around in feces. He's the guy that after these poor kids lost everything and had to be air vac to the Astrodome, where they, yeah, lived in absolute squalor and filth, he stopped by and said, hey, guys, aren't you guys having some fun here? Oh, and so. they were having fun. He he uh, took the same talking point as Barbara Bush there. Now, um, right. a, lo- a lot of these other loathsome people in the, um, in the conservative group have great excuses as to why they didn't join forces in Vietnam. Rush Limbaugh had a tail. Uh, Dick Cheney, I forget what he was doing. But he was too busy. Dick Cheney was just too busy. And now, other priorities. Now, why, why did Tom DeLay not go? Well, this is my favorite one. Tom DeLay could not go to Vietnam 
because of affirmative action. <laughs> he, he said, and this is a direct quote, he said that he missed out on serving in Vietnam because, quote, so many minority youths volunteered. There literally was no room for patriotic folks like myself. But there's so much to love about yeah, that quote, right. but the one that I particularly enjoy is that Obviously, the minority use are not part of the patriotic no, folks like the, himself. The subtext well, right, is that's right. the best part is that no room for patriotic folks like myself, unlike the Hispanics and the coloreds. Since, right. since, since all these minorities signed up to die, there was, you know, no room for patriotic people like me. It's just the unpatriotic uh, African-American and Latin, Latino kids who wanted to die for their country. You know? Right. They're just being selfish. They're just being selfish by not letting Tom DeLay serve. Now, I've saved one of my favorite for the climax, the middle of this segment. I fancy myself a woman. Um, I fancy myself a radio host. Yes. I've often labeled myself a daughter. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to argue with those. Yeah. What is one of the things that Tom DeLay considers himself? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that, Joe. He's Jesus. <laughs> um, he was talking about how he wanted to. He came to D.C. He came to Washington and wanted to get into national politics because he wanted to bring a biblical world view mm. to the country. And he was asked by a reporter, um, Tom, what if a lot of people don't want a biblical world view? Mm -hmm. And he, he actually said, the truth hurts. It's human nature not to face that. People hate the messenger. That's why they killed Christ. So, so he's claimed he's Jesus in, uh, he's Jesus, in, in, yes. in his own words. And this is going to help him in his, uh, in, in, in his next line of work after he leaves Congress because he wants to find a way to meld government and religion together. So as the face of Jesus and what he uh, considers himself as the federal government, which he <laughs> oh, claims yes. himself. <laughs> That's my other favorite. That's my other favorite. He can go so, forward without anyone's help. Yeah. He was smoking in a federal building. A staffer came over and said, gee whiz, Mr. DeLay, you can't smoke in here. Uh, it's a federal building. The federal, federal government says you can't smoke. And he turned around and said, I am the federal government. It, sounds it was a like, total Jack Nicholson moment. I was going to say, it sounds like, uh, yeah, it does. It's, it totally sounds like a line in a movie you wouldn't believe. I was going to go no, with... No, Alec Baldwin. I was going to go with Alec Baldwin. That's yeah. exactly, yeah. I am oh. God. I am the federal government. I am okay, Jesus. You guys, you guys went on that one. <laughs> That's even better. Uh, you know, look, all those quotes are low. And by the way, as he was talking about the separation of church and state, he also said that uh, he believes the separation of church and state is a myth. Yeah. Right. So, so if it was up to Tom DeLay, he would have combined church and state already. But actually, uh, you know, and all these Republicans go nuts whenever Dick Turbin or anybody else ever mentions the Nazi word and compares it to anything else. But what did Tom DeLay have to say about the Envi Environmental Protection Agency, Christy? Well, that's how he got into politics in the first place, because he used to be, as we all know, an exterminator. And he didn't like the government regulations about uh, his poisons. And so he used to walk around and say that the EPA was the Gestapo of government. <laughs> the yeah. Gestapo of government. So. Yeah, I mean, trying to protect the environment, that sounds like a brown shirt to me. Yeah, and also... Ab I, absolutely. I, How I just, dare they? I would just like to point out that the problems with the Nazis and the Gestapo wasn't that they were trying to restrict access to poison. Yeah, right. they, were, they were trying to spread it more. By the way, uh, here's another one on religion. Co Columbine, uh, apparently he had figured out why Columbine happened. That could have really helped authorities. What was his theory, Christy? Well, DeLay blamed the shootings on at Columbine, not on Marilyn Manson, not on video games, but he really put the blame where it counts. He said it was a bad He said that Columbine wouldn't have happened, but the school systems were teaching kids they were nothing but glorified apes. 
And I didn't put it in here. Later on in that same speech, he also blamed it on daycare and working mothers. Yeah, nothing but glorified apes, DeLay said, who are evolutionized out of some primordial soup. Yes. That if you teach the kids that, of course, they'll wind up killing each other. Absolutely. That's why you need to teach the Bible in public schools. We only got time for one final one here, Christy. Uh, tax cuts uh, during a war. What is Tom this is this is really recent. This is right yeah. before we invaded Iraq. And he said, people said, shouldn't we not cut taxes going into a war? And he said, nothing is more important in the face of a war than cutting taxes. Yeah, how about casting Osama bin Laden? That would seem like that would be a little bit more important. How about planning for the war? Yeah, that would I be was, a little yeah, bit I was thinking more. about exit strategies. Yeah, yeah or f figuring out if there's going to be a civil war. No, cutting taxes is more important. Chrissy Harvey for the Center for American Progress. Thanks for putting this together to remind us what a bad guy left office today. Thanks, guys. I have no fear whatsoever about any investigation into me or my personal or professional activities. You are a crazy cat lady. Welcome back. It is 23 minutes past the hour. This is the Rachel Maddow Show here on Air America Mornings, and that was the voice of a tiny little man in Texas named Tom DeLay, soon to be described everywhere as former Republican congressman and current felon incarcerated in... Uh, we don't know if he's where, where he's going to go to jail, or in fact, if he is. But Tom DeLay uh, has released a statement, a videotaped statement this morning about his impending resignation from Congress. Uh, every day here on the Rachel Maddow Show, we like poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at their political playbook. And the question for today's underbelly magic eight ball is, is why Tom DeLay is resigning now. What political tactics are at work in this resignation and the timing of it? Now, if you believe what some of the mainstream media is saying, uh, then Tom DeLay is resigning because he wants to more effectively assist orphans. He said that he wants to go out and talk about uh, foster care, the importance of religion and government, and electing more Republicans. He wants to help the cause of foster care. That's why he's resigning now. And if you don't believe that Tom DeLay is resigning in order to help the cause of foster care, then I have another one for you. He's resigning uh, selflessly because he just wants to help the Republican Party. He recognizes that because he's a Christian, because he's a conservative, the Democrats have been trying to make him look bad. And that's raised the question of whether or not he can hold on to his congressional seat in Texas this November. So he's taking one for the team. He's stepping down for the good of the party. He said that the, uh, he wants to save the seat for the Republicans. He said anyone else who runs for this seat in the 22nd District of Texas will, as he put it, walk into the seat. He said that he had been uh, in, in bad shape with the polling, uh, which has been negative on him and declining for his reelection since last November. Sure, Chris Matthews. You know, it's all about Tom DeLay being a loyal, honorable, humble party activist. He's selflessly stepping down to save the party. has nothing to do with his own worries whatsoever. With all due respect, that makes absolutely no sense. I'm sorry. It makes no sense. How about we get real for just one second? In the last couple of months, Tom DeLay's former press secretary pled guilty in a federal bribery and corruption scandal and turned state's evidence. Then the man he described as, quote, one of my closest and dearest friends, that would be convicted lobbyist Jack Abramoff, pled guilty in the federal bribery and corruption scandal 
and turn state's evidence. Then on Friday, Tom DeLay's former deputy chief of staff pled guilty in a federal bribery and corruption scandal and turned state's evidence. Another Tom DeLay employee is now being named as a target in that same federal bribery and corruption investigation. The guy who pled on Friday, the Tony Rudy case, Tony Rudy pled guilty to basically running a criminal bribery and corruption ring out of Tom DeLay's congressional office in Washington, starting like nine years ago. Tom DeLay is named in that plea. He's representative number two. What I think happened here is that one of Tom DeLay's million-dollar lawyers grabbed him by his greasy little collar and shouted in his face, Hey, Tom! You're going to need to spend the next six months fighting to not spend the rest of your life in prison. Forget this re-election race. Also, conveniently, think about Tom DeLay's money situation. I think this is what's going on. All the donors to Tom DeLay's defense committee are basically corporations with business before Congress. These corporations donated to Tom DeLay's criminal defense fund because they wanted Tom DeLay to hook them up in Congress. When Tom DeLay lost his leadership post... A lot of those donations from companies with business before Congress started drying up. As he lost power, he became a less convenient target for corporate bribe money, basically. So as his corporate as corporate funded legal defense fund shrinks, there is a real simple explanation here for why Tom DeLay is resigning now. Tom DeLay can legally divert his reelection money, his campaign fund to pay his legal fees. He's going to need that money for lawyers. So he needs to get out early, taking that money now for his legal fees instead of spending it on running for re-election. Isn't that a little more plausible than he really wants to help the orphans? Call me crazy. It's 27 minutes past the hour. This is The Rachel Maddow Show on Air America Mornings. The Rachel Maddow Show, Air America Mornings. Congressman Tom DeLay. As you probably know, the very partisan Travis County DA recently manufactured an indictment against me that is based on charges of the 2002 Texas State House election. These charges are groundless and false. I am completely innocent. Just as Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson and other public officials have defeated similar attacks from this DA, I will prove his allegations are baseless and without merit. Despite this partisan distraction, I will continue to represent you and fight for the interests of our community. You will soon receive a letter from me outlining exactly what is happening and why. I hope you'll take a moment to read it and then join my effort to fight this out-of-control district attorney. Thank you for listening. Uh, hey, Seuss, you've got the first clip for you. Here's uh, Tom DeLay saying how he's uh, trying to you know, help the country by uh, stepping down. Now, however... After many weeks of personal, prayerful thinking and analysis, Mm, I have come to the conclusion that it is time to close this public service chapter of my life. It's time to begin opening new chapters and and pursuing new opportunities to engage in the important cultural and political battles of our day from outside the arena of the United States House of Representatives. And inside Alcatraz. Because I care so deeply about this district and the people in it. I refuse to allow liberal Democrats an opportunity to steal this seat with a negative, 
personal campaign. Nick Lampson, not a liberal Democrat. The voters of the 22nd District of Texas deserve a campaign about the vital national issues that they care most about and that affect their lives every day and not a campaign focused solely as a referendum on me. So today I am announcing my intention to resign my seat in the House. Oh, sniff, sniff. I will make that resignation effective sometime before mid-June, His hands creep but largely out. dependent on the congressional calendar. I plan to begin focusing on the next phase of my life as a private citizen. Between now and the date that I leave the House, however, I will continue to focus on and tend to several important legislative priorities for the 22nd District. And for all the lobbies that also during this period, I will determine the new ways from various arenas outside of public office that will allow me to continue to contribute to and engage in the policy, political, and, and cultural issues yeah. of national importance to the conservative majority. <laughs> Which With that plan majority? in mind, I also intend to relocate my Virginia property and reside closer to Washington so that I can That's dedicate how much I love the 22nd district. I can't wait to leave you pricks behind. From the public to <laughs> and my new home will be in Sing Sing. With the news of my decision, now, however, after many weeks of personal prayerful thinking. And <laughs> I, love the, but, but I love the beginning that Jesus played for you there again with the prayerful thinking yeah. and apparently he talked to pat robertson today yeah. his second interview was to the christian broadcasting network and he said he prayed about this you know he looked into his, deep into his soul and came up with this decision he said jesus should i step down for money laundering yeah. and jesus said yeah yeah i wouldn't have gone the money laundering route so i'd go ahead and resign if i were you yeah yeah it's um it's yeah, the prayerful. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's shameful, and all these you're gonna focus on making the 22nd better. But I can't wait to get out of here. I love that. I'm going to Virginia. I got to get away from you people. Speaking of people in the 22nd district, we have uh, uh, on line one. Lynn is in Sugarland, Texas. Uh, oh, fun, great. Hey, Lynn, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> I'm enjoying this bit you're talking about, Tom Delay. I live in Sugarland, Texas, in District 22. And I'm originally from Virginia. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this so, is pretty funny. Hey, you know what that but, is, by the way, for, for the good people of the 22nd District in Sugarland, Texas? A, uh -huh. a great trade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's been a movement here in Sugarland, and there's bumper stickers everywhere, and I'm part of the movement, that said, Change Sugarland Without Delay. It's <laughs> been our slogan. Good. And it's been a real grassroots. It's got Democrats. It's got Republicans, Independents. Everyone's been part of it. Um, we just feel like this is a great day for Sugarland and for District 22. Um, well, let's just let's just uh, stay. Uh, hopefully, uh, Lynn, you can stay focused because uh, I don't want to lose those Republicans who think, okay, well, delay's gone now. Whoever the Republicans replace him with on the ballot, and there's some issue about when and where they'll be able to do that. But the fact is, we're in June, we're in April, and the elections in November. There ought to be a Republican on the ballot running against Nick Lampson, and and hopefully you guys can stay sort of motivated and active enough to actually get Nick Lampson into that seat. Right. We've actually already talked about this as a scenario. Right. Sure. And. Of saying that Willie stepped down because he, I think he would have um, liked to have been beaten in the caucus earlier um, last month by another Republican. That would be less shameful than having to lose to a Democrat. And since he won um, the Republican ticket to run in November against uh, several other Republicans that ran against him, he's like, oh, God, now I'm going to lose to a Democrat. And that would be humiliating for him. Well, so, Lynn, this is his way out. 
Lynn, though, I, you know, I'm going to explain why he's leaving the 22nd district in a second. But I, I want to say, you know, definitely stay focused. But the flip side is, I mean, this has got to be a kind of a joyous day for you guys. There you are. Oh, it is. There you are <laughs> on the ground fighting so hard to make this change happen. And this is the day. He comes out yes. and he says, they won, I lost. He, he literally, by the way, blamed it on the liberal Democrats, which I suppose he meant as an insult. But I thought... Yeah, we yeah. got you. So, That's right. And, I mean, how good does everybody down there fighting hard in Sugar Land, oh, Texas feel it's about it's unbelievable. This? And the redistricting, we have to laugh about Fort Bend County when he redistricts us. He um, had a scare. Fort Bend County is made up of Sugar Land, Missouri City, Stafford, um, uh, Richmond, and Rosenberg, where outlined areas are heavily Mexican and um, African-American districts, but they're all big suburbs of Houston, well-to-do people who vote, and they vote Democrat, and he was scared to death, so he realigned everything, cut those people completely out, kept Sugar Land, which is very white, and made it a beeline for half of Galveston, which and only the white half of Galveston, by you know, may I mention, you know, and, and it, it was the writing on the wall. I mean, he is did this redistricting to save his own hide, and it didn't work. Well, Lynn, I can understand his grudge against uh, Mexicans and uh, black Americans because they're the ones who took his spot when he wanted to go to Vietnam so bad. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the patriot, and they're not. Oh, go figure. And, you know, and that's just my father-in-law, my father, my husband, they're all veterans. We Democrats are loyal Americans, and it's for anyone to say anything else is absurd. You know, my family has has signed up for the call of duty, and and Republicans who hide behind patriotism, who have never served, don't deserve our, deserve our respect nor our vote. Lynn, thank you so much for calling us today. Great call. We uh, love hearing from Sugarland today. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, Lynn. You could tell at the beginning of the call, Lynn. She was just giddy. She's yeah. excited. But she's oh, yeah. look, I'm giddy. I'm absolutely. When I saw it last night, I called Ben. I called Michael. Michael sure is our political correspondent. God bless his heart. Won ten bucks off this. He bet it earlier, right? Yeah, he did. He bet a couple months ago that Tom Delay would not be reelected. Obviously, he's not going to be. I mean, here. that's putting your money where your mouth is. God bless. I wanted to give you an update on the Travis County DA's legal circuit. Last weekend, it became clear that Ronnie Earl's original indictment was unraveling. It would not stand up in court. So Mr. Earl rushed to influence two more grand juries, one of which found no evidence to indict me while the other followed Mr. Earl's partisan direction. The new charges are based on no new Hello, this is John Dickerson, and welcome to another Slate Political Gab Fest. I am in the Slate conference room once again with uh, Slate Senior Editor Emily Bazelon and Deputy Editor David Plotz for another week of exciting discussion. Um, we're going to talk today about, first, about Tom DeLay. He's gone. David, your thoughts? <laughs> we're going to miss that, that little bug. Uh, no, not the bug. He's the bug killer. That's right. He, once said, he once said, I'm just a bug man. Um, <laughs> I, you can't help just sort of taking pleasure in watching him work. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed seeing his work for the past 10 years. And it's nice in a world of uh, deception and falseness to have somebody, a politician who's like such a throwback, who's so happily aggressive and vicious and unfair and corrupt and, 
it's very 19th century, and it's a shame that he's gone. I couldn't agree more, Emily. Well, my favorite line was the one you pointed out in your piece about how he was reveling in having taken K Street and making it, taken it from being Democratic and made it Republican, which you're not supposed to say out loud, but of course is one of his big accomplishments. Yeah, that's right. I mean, usually, uh, especially on their way out, politicians get a little misty about all the great things they've done for America. And he got most exercised about the fact that he basically put Democratic lobbyists out of business and replaced them with Republican lobbyists. I Yeah, I, I, I just totally agree with David in terms of his kind of unabashed, open, knee-in-the-groin way of behaving. And also, he really got things done. I mean, maybe not for the causes people might support, but he, he had an efficiency about him that we sort of like in, in, or never think of in a, or associate with Washington. I mean, if he wanted to get something done, he knew who to kill, he knew who to influence and, and make cower, and that kind of you know, efficiency is, uh, I don't know, it's sort of uh, refreshing because there's so much dithering in Washington. I finally caught up with that amazing Wall Street Journal from, article from, I guess, last week, I mean, maybe 10 week. days ago or something, about Michael Scanlon's fiancé. <laughs> And how the whole unraveling of DeLay and his staff occurred because, partly because of Mike Scanlon's fiance, who was also a DeLay staffer. Ex-fiance. Ex-fiance, Ex-fiance. turned on him. Yeah. But they, it's portrayal of the inner workings of the DeLay office with this kind of hyper-aggro attitude and this shoot anyone in the knees who crosses you. Um, was fantastic. David is talking, Michael Scanlon was the former press secretary for Tom DeLay, and what David's referring to is his fiance. He left his fiance rather quickly for, a uh, for another woman, for a waitress whom, to whom twenty-four-year-old waitress to whom he married, to whom he married. Um, and and then, you take it from there, David. Well, no, the the fiance, this woman Emily Miller, who had also, I guess, was a press secretary for DeLay That's afterwards, right. after. Scanlon jilted her, started to ask questions, and went and talked to Scanlon's ex-wife about. You know, isn't it funny that since he doesn't really do that much work, and you know, he's never really had much of a job, and he's a lifeguard in the summer, that he just bought a five million dollar house and flies hmm. on private jets everywhere. Didn't bother me when I was going to move into the house, <laughs> but now it seems kind of troubling. And the, and the funny thing too is in this delay exit interview, he talks about how Abramoff and Tony Rudy, who is also a former member of his staff, who's been uh, caught, and Scanlon, who's been caught, and others associated with delay have been caught. Delay said, "Well, you know, those are all just bad apples." But the point of the article David's talking about, and this fact that that delay changed the culture of lobbying in Washington, is that delay was neck deep in this. I mean, that 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 he created this whole, you know, shoot him in the kneecaps structure, and if even if he wasn't involved in illegal activity, he allowed this sort of festering thing to go on around him. So he's at least responsible for giving birth to it. Wolf, in the end, all the tough talk was reduced to, I quit, to borrow a phrase from Roberto Duran, no mas. When a second aide to Congressman Tom DeLay pled guilty in the Abramoff investigation and agreed to cooperate with prosecutors, Mr. DeLay suddenly became just another disgraced public servant who couldn't take the heat. DeLay is also under criminal indictment in a separate case in Texas. He was known as the Hammer when he was majority leader in the House, a big, tough-talking, strong-arm artist who could deliver votes to the Bush White House. He would strut around on Capitol Hill like a cocky little bandy rooster. Today, he slithered away from Congress to await his fate at the hands of the criminal justice system. Good riddance. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
Visit the website at bestoftheleftpodcast.com for all of the ways to contact and support the show, as well as all of the links to all of the contributors to the Best of the Left podcast, all of the uh, professional radio shows that I listen to every week to get all the clips that you enjoy listening to so much. So if you hear something that you especially enjoy, you can uh, find out more information on their website about how to podcast their show directly if you would like to do that. That's all I've got for you today. Have a good one.